And welcome to the Green Jet Ski Podcast. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, since launching this brand new podcast, I had to get on one of my great friends. You know him on the interwebs. You see him on Vader Reviews. That's David Vader Reviews over Holt. And I don't know how he works with that Dark Lord on a daily basis and manages to maintain his sanity. But David, welcome to the show. It's been a while and I'm glad to talk to you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Well, so much going on, but I want to point out first your work as director over at Obro Studios and Vader Reviews. You do so much over there, and you guys literally hit a milestone with your first feature film there that I was lucky enough to be a part of, which is called Fallen Jedi. Tell us about Fallen Jedi and about the milestone that you hit. Yeah, um, this this really blew me away when I saw the numbers because we just hit like 100,000 views on the Phantom. And uh, I thought maybe in a couple years we might get to like a thousand views if we were lucky because we're a pretty small channel still. Um, but I don't know. Uh, this one really took off. I don't uh, I've, I've been very happy with uh, the fan response because. Uh, there's so much positivity in the comments. And I mean, you got people saying that, you know, we made them feel like a kid again watching this because we brought back the feel of classic Star Wars with um, using model spaceships and practical VFX when we could. And um, it's just been one of the most rewarding creative experiences of my entire life. And uh, I couldn't be happier with the reception that the film has gotten. Well, I know it was supposed to be a very short film and that kind of evolved. The title evolved, the story evolved. It became this longer project. You knew you wanted to pour your heart and soul into it. You could have possibly imagined it was going to turn out like it did. And I watched so many different Star Wars fan films online and some of them are good, but they don't really get the notoriety. I think that they should for being uh, you know, people that have a love and a passion for Star Wars like you and I. And this thing has blown up and I cannot imagine the healthy sense of pride that you feel saying, you know what? I accomplished this. Even if this is the only star Wars fan film I ever do. And I know it's not, you can say, you know what? I did this at the end of the day. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny because um, the whole time, the whole time we were making the movie, um, I, one of the things that made, made it keep growing was the fact that I was feeling like, you know, I might not ever get a chance to do this ever again. So everything I can put into this, I want to put into this. And I, I think that might be um, one of the reasons why it resonated with people. And I think it's also the reasons that older films resonated with people because, say, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Steven Spielberg didn't hold anything back to try to plan for a sequel. He just threw everything cool into the first Indiana Jones that he yep. could and was like, if we make more. We'll just come up with new ideas. And that's kind of how we approached making this film. And like you said, it was it wasn't supposed to be an hour long. It was originally supposed to be five, uh, 15 minutes. It was going to be 15 minutes, of uh, five minutes of setup, five minutes of a lightsaber duel, and then uh, five minutes of closeout. And that was it. But then the seasons changed that delayed our filming schedule because all the trees died and we were filming <laughs> on location. Yeah. And then. Right when spring rolled around, that's when the pandemic hit and we couldn't go out and film. So that gave me too much time to think about it. And I started adding all kinds of stuff and did some Skype filmmaking with a friend of mine to expand the cast. And uh, it just kept getting bigger and bigger after that. 
Well, I'll tell you, and that's the biggest compliment I can give you. I mean, you brought it up in brief, but it's so true. There's been a lot of disgruntled Star Wars fans, besides the fact that I'm a fan of Solo, a Star Wars story, and we're going to you know, forget about that for just a moment. Mm-hmm. But the sequel trilogy, uh, I mean, Force Awakens set it up. It could have been good at bare minimum. It could have been good, but it wasn't. It was uh, so many disgruntled Star Wars fans, worst nightmare, and... Uh, it saddens me, but then you get something and somebody like you where this project brings people back to the original vision of Star Wars, not just with the original trilogy, mainly that, but tying it also into elements of the prequel trilogy. And I think really at the end of the day, you honored George Lucas and his vision. And that's what's important. Thanks. That that means a lot to me because that was like we had two main goals with this fan film. One, we wanted to make Star Wars fans happy. Um, we, you know, you can never make everybody 100% happy with your movie, yeah, yeah. but a, a lot of filmmakers these days, it seems like they're setting out to kind of make people angry. And what we wanted to do was try to one, make people as happy as we could with the film. And two, uh, we always kept in mind if George Lucas ever saw this, would he feel like we paid respect to his characters and his story? So we always were trying to think of how to write it in a way that felt as much like George Lucas's Star Wars as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, I, while I was writing the film, I, uh, you know, I watched all six movies, like the original six that he did. I watched those over and over and over again. I was always listening to the John Williams soundtracks. I was looking through all of the visual dictionaries. Um, even even like the the books that do the exploded views of the vehicles and mm. things on aliens and stuff because i was like you know i've loved star wars since 1996 when i was a little kid when i first saw it um but i wanted to make sure it was completely fresh in my head so i wouldn't forget anything because sometimes when you're so familiar with something you can kind of gloss over things and then later on you're like oh crap i should have done this. i forgot about that you know? yeah yeah so i i wanted to make sure everything was like I had all my ducks in a row and uh, we were we were really tying into the lore of Star Wars mm. um, as much as possible. And I know that we have other things to get to. But as we wrap up here, this section of the Green Jet Ski podcast, talking to David Overholt from Vader Reviews, director over there. Uh, so many great projects going on and we will get to other things here in just a second. But I want to also take a moment to talk about the inspiration you had uh, from mm-hmm. Kurosawa. And you even yeah. you tied that into the movie and why that was so pivotal at honoring that as George Lucas did. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's no secret on the Internet that uh, George Lucas was heavily inspired by Akira Kurosawa when he made the original Star Wars films. Yeah. And so when we were making this, we really wanted to tie that samurai feel into the movie. And uh, my friend Micah McGill, who plays uh, the Jedi Knight in the in the movie me and him when we were in the planning stages of the film we we watched uh, a ton of kurosawa films back to back along with all the star wars films so we could get just so we could kind of have half of our brain thinking samurai half of mm. our brain thinking star wars and that's why we brought in different samurai elements even into the fight choreography of referencing kuzo uh from seven samurai by having vader drop his sword guard down and even doing that kind of samurai run through the forest i loved that by the way that was brilliant i'm glad 
I, I'm glad. I, I was really worried people were not going to like that because you don't see Vader run very often. But I thought, you know, it, it gives a great opportunity to see that cape uh, flapping in the wind, you know, and like capes moving around always look cool. I think and, if you know the inspiration behind it all, like with George Lucas, especially you point you, you really hone in on that. And you're like, yeah, that's a nice touch. The other thing too, is like George Lucas always said that I, the other thing I watched a lot was interviews with George Lucas to see what his mindset was Yeah, with star Wars. And he always said each movie, he wanted to show something new. The audience hadn't seen before. So I was like, okay, we can't make exotic planets because we don't have the budget for that. So all we can do is make him potentially fight in ways we haven't seen and have him act in ways we haven't seen. So I tried to blend the character of Hayden Christensen's Anakin with Vader because this is kind of it goes squarely between the events of um, episode three and episode four. I like how um, you, you give wanna... the reasoning, David. I like how you give the reasoning about why he's still fighting like Anakin. And then I'm not going to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. But then there's a reason why you get to the end of the film and you find out why his fighting style changes between that and episode four. Yeah, that that really was just um, because I really wanted to see Darth Vader do Anakin lightsaber twirls. So yeah. I, like, <laughs> I got to figure out a way to explain why he's doing this. So yeah. I thought, well, it works psychologically with the character. With the, It does. Uh, answer that we came up with so um, I'm glad people accepted that and that they liked that lightsaber fighting um, because uh, that was fun that was the most fun I had on the movie was choreographing that whole lightsaber duel you know it gave me an excuse to watch all the lightsaber fights of the six films there over you, and over again so there you go okay I'll, I'll ask you point blank uh, what is your fa- it's hard and i've thought about this what's your favorite lightsaber duel in all of star wars other than the one that you choreographed mm. because that's going to hold a special place in your heart but we're talking feature films what is you're like yeah that's it yeah that it's really hard because it's it's, it's almost even split between two um, that's kind of a cheat answer, but, uh, the revenge of the Sith duel between Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen is like, that's the most phenomenal choreography there's ever been with lightsaber duels, but the best mm-hmm. been duel with Vader and Luke is just, it's so atmospheric and you really, even though like in the back of your head, you know, Luke's the hero, he's not gonna die or anything. You feel a sense of jeopardy for him that you don't usually feel for a hero when mm. they're fighting a bad guy, you know, it it brings an intensity to it that a lot of fights don't have because you really feel like he can't win, you know, and then he doesn't, which is a big shock. So it's kind of like those two duels are kind of even like neck and neck with me uh, for different reasons. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't, even if it's not your favorite on the scale that the revenge of the Sith duel is, David, you can't deny that that choreography wise and style wise probably leads to pack in every single way. Yeah. I also, yeah, I also I mean, like the episode one duel. I just, because of the triad yeah. of Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson. Uh, I, I mean, both heavily going at Darth Maul and Maul still holds his own. Yeah, that I mean, really, if if we're counting um, episode five and episode three is like my top favorite because they're joined uh, episode one would be my second favorite just yeah. because of the because Ray Park is phenomenal. Oh, he is um, with that lightsaber staff. And it's it's amazing. I will say I know you're not a big fan of Solo, but just to see Maul pop up at the end of Solo with the syndicate, that was a nice touch. That was cool. That was cool seeing Darth Maul show up again. 
that was really cool. And I wasn't even expecting it either. I was just like, okay, this yeah. is an in- interesting ending. I'm like, oh no, that's great. Mm-hmm. Bring me more yeah. solo. You two. know, from from for me with the solo thing, I think if they would have just cast Anthony Ingruber, I would have been a lot happier with that movie. Because for me, it was just there was such a disconnect between Harrison Ford and Alden Ehrenreich. He just he didn't feel like the same person. Yeah, you're not the um, first person that 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 but, tells me that they're like this. The movie yeah. wasn't horrible, but there was just a couple of things that could have made it a lot better. I know we kind of we we really ripped that one apart on on the channel for the review. But and you know what? And it's honestly still one of my favorite Star Wars review that you guys do on the channel. I I, I laugh every time I watch it. Yeah, that w- that was kind of like. You know, it's easier to make jokes when you're being kind of slightly mean spirited about something and making fun of things. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we've kind of moved away from that a little bit on the channel just because the world has gotten to be such an angry place in the last few years. Amen. To see if we could kind of mm. kind of bring people together more. I mean, we don't sugarcoat it if we don't like something, but at the same time, we try not to go quite as much like for the throat of a movie as possible yeah. like we used to when we reviewed stuff so because we wanted to try to see if we can bring a little bit more compassion I'll, back to the world i'll never forget there was one uh episode you were directing on vader reviews and vader was opening presents and he's getting all these dvds and he's like oh love this love this then i i think you specifically put it in there for me solo pops up and he like th- tosses it to the side no it's he's like crap. oh that's crap <laughs> yeah yeah it was great. It was, yeah, it was it was a joke because uh, so many people had seen the solo Fallout uh, press release, yeah. Imperial press release video, and they really loved yeah. that. So I was like, okay, I got to make a solo joke when I see that. So, so where can people find Fallen Jedi? It's obviously right there on Vader reviews, and they can probably just search for Fallen Jedi on the channel in there, and they'll find it. Correct. Really, the best way to do it is to type in Star Wars Fallen Jedi vader reviews because if you just type in fallen jedi a ton of jedi fallen order video game videos pop up Mm -hmm. because that game wasn't even a thing when we titled our fan film but now since there's fallen and jedi in the title it kind of routes you to all the video game videos so if you want to find it type uh star wars fallen jedi vader reviews and it'll be the first thing it's the big uh thumbnail of darth vader standing there in the fire so which also kind of irritated me because it's like we had that Darth Vader in the fire visual before Obi-Wan, but it took me so long to finish the movie. Obi-Wan, I know like, ah, crap. It was frustrating. Yeah. You were messaging me. You're just like, that was so frustrating because we had the idea. Mm-hmm. It was great. It looked cool though. It looked really cool because their it, armor is better than mine. So that was cool to see. That was very cool to see. Well, we'll get back to Star Wars in just a second here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. David Overholt, director, Vader Reviews, my guest. Go to Vader Reviews on YouTube. Check out their weekly videos on reviewing movies and TV shows and trailers. Uh, and it's all from a uh, very, I would say, intellectual standpoint. They really break down movies like no other, and there's humor along the way as well. But what I want to get into now, I'm so excited about, because that is your guys' next project the swashbuckling adventure avenger of blood tell us about this they can see the trailer a little teaser trailer on there but what are you guys going to be doing yeah um avenger of blood is our first completely original film project that we're doing we got a whole lot that we're planning uh but this is just the first one we're rolling out it's um 
I, I have loved swashbuckling adventure movies like Zorro and the Three Musketeers even before I knew Star Wars was a thing. Mm. So that kind of sword fighting has a very special place in my heart. I loved watching the old Guy Williams Disney Zorro show when I was a kid. And um, I always wanted to make a movie like that. So I decided like, hey, I've got all these costume pieces that I've kind of cobbled together over the years. Why don't we try to do like a short sword fighting movie? And just my my buddy Micah, who who played the Jedi in the fan film, he's actually going to be in this film with me as well. He's really he he loves the old Universal monster movies, like the old Bela Lugosi Dracula, and, yeah, um, yeah, the Wolfman, and I like those too. But he likes them even more than I do. And uh, when we were just talking around some ideas, we were like, you know, we've never seen like a swashbuckling monster movie, like an old school monster movie mixed with an old school uh, swashbuckling movie. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, what if we had this like monster hunting priest guy who's part of like a secret order that kind of dispels the darkness and kind of takes out these evil dark creatures that roam the world. And uh, what if he gets into a sword fight with a vampire? I mean, it's it's almost like premise. It's almost like Van Helsing, but taking it in that swashbuckling Mm -hmm universe instead yeah it's if you think van helsing meets zorro that's that's pretty much exactly what it is yeah um, yeah because uh you know the guy he's uh, his name is dante legato uh, i named him dante because of you know dante's inferno and mm-hmm. all that kind yeah. of thing and uh since he's dealing with dark evil forces and all that jazz um and uh it's you know we're we're actually practicing the sword fighting now uh me and my buddy we meet like two times a week to practice sword fighting, just like we used to do for lightsabers for the fan film. So we're practicing uh, some fencing moves and I've got the script all completely written. This is going to be a little different than Fallen Jedi because uh, we're feature length film, by the way. Uh, No, this one's actually going to be short. Uh, This one is actually going to stay small just because one, uh, I don't want it to take three years before we can release it. We've got a lot of other projects we want to make too, but also um with fallen jedi i i played like six parts in that movie between rubber masks and makeup jobs and helmets and all that kind of stuff so when you're doing a space show one like four guys can be an entire cast but when you're doing stuff where people's faces have to show you're limited by how many actors you have around and it's pretty much me and my buddy micah that's it's kind of all we got at the moment Um, my brothers help out too but it makes our cast pretty tiny so we're kind of we're we're kind of getting the most out of the small cast that we've got though because I've got a cool scene written of like when he gets recruited into the order my brother's going to play one of these warrior priests that kind of recruit my guy into the secret order after a personal tragedy and um it's going to be it's going to be really fun because uh we're doing all digital environments we're filming the whole thing in front of green screen nice because i mean Oklahoma doesn't have a lot of gothic architecture you know (laughs) so we wanted this to have a big grand kind of gothic spooky feel so i'm gonna build all those environments on the computer because i've been doing computer animation since i was like 11 um and uh so plus watching all the old documentaries on how they build virtual sets and i'm storyboarding the film right now so i can know what i have to build and then we'll just kind of put ourselves in these cool gothic environments. We've got the costumes for the main characters and uh, I'm growing out my 
beard I see that. to have a swashbuckler mustache and everything. So it's going to be pretty cool. I'm very excited about it. Is Bonaparte going to make an appearance? I know he's he's at least intrigued by this project. Bonaparte isn't going to make it into this film. We we have another couple projects that will have a Bonaparte-esque character in them. Okay. Um, one project is it's actually a musical. I'm writing a pirate musical. Oh, moment. nice. Um, I've got a couple songs I have to write. Um, it's actually, it's really a bizarre story not to go on a weird tangent, but, uh, <laughs> I got COVID and I had a, like a ridiculous fever dream and I dreamed an entire musical. And, uh, when I woke oh, up, wow. I was like, well, that's ridiculous. That's the weirdest thing I've ever dreamed, but the songs were good. So I, I got to the keyboard and I recorded the tunes and I've been kind of reconstructing them because you forget some things when you wake up from a dream. Yeah. But yeah. I, I remembered some of the lyrics and I remembered the like what all of the songs were about and I remembered the story. So that's that's a project for further on down the road though, because we have to find people that can sing and potentially dance to I'm not it's going a to follow up to No pressure and I'm so not even excited, gonna say that but... you have to, but if you need a female vocalist, my wife is amazing. She's actually okay. uh she's actually trained. Okay. That's that's kind of cool. I'll I'll uh I'll have to get in touch with you guys and we'll see if if she fits any of the characters. Cause first first we're gonna do it kind of like as an audio drama musical. Oh nice. Um and we're gonna release it that way first. And then if people really respond well to it, we'll we'll probably run a Kickstarter campaign to try to turn it into an actual film. Honestly, if if I could raise enough money, I would love to like hire someone like Don Bluth or Aaron Blaze, an old Disney animator to like, Hey, can, can we, can we make an old school animated film? Cause yeah. uh, some of the songs have a very Disney quality. Others have more of a phantom of the opera vibe. So yeah, um, get it'll make a great live action musical or uh, animated musical. Either yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch over this because I know besides my wife, I know a couple people, a good buddy of mine, one of my best friends has an amazing voice. I think he, It'd be interested in something like that as well. So I'll at least give you contacts and, you know, if it's a fit, great. If it's not a fit, but I just projects like these, they excite me so much. It just shows the creativity that you bring to the Vader Reviews channel. Yeah, it's that that one's a little further down the road, but um, I'm I'm almost done writing all the songs for it because like I've got a got like a big pirate shanty song. I've got to write uh, a song about like how cool it is being a pirate, but kind of yeah. like the gag of the song is you you describe how like horrible a pirate's life really is but to the pirate guy he thinks isn't this great this is this is the the best life you could ask for but like he's describing all kinds of yeah. horrible stuff how like well you might get maimed or you might get hung by the government if you get caught but it's great being a pirate you know so it's like it's kind of a funny comical song he's trying to convince the skeleton pirate guy to like come on keep being a pirate because he, he falls in love and is thinking about not being a pirate anymore, basically. Um, so then his old pirate buddies are like, come on, dude, you gotta, you gotta keep being a pirate. I, I love that it, you and I connect on so many different old movies. You ever see the, the comedy pirate movie from yesteryear called Yellowbeard? You know, I've heard about it. I haven't seen that one. I've, I've seen the pirates of Penzance. Yeah. And uh, very similar. The old, yeah. The old treasure Island from Disney. And everything so it, it's I, it's, I like it's old pirate movies yeah it's made by members of the uh, old money python group so if you're a big python head it'll definitely resonate with you okay I'll, I'll look it up i think i saw it pop up on my recommended once um on youtube actually when i was 
uh, talking about pirates a lot because my tablet listens to me and then it tries to give me uh-huh. ads for stuff it's heard me talking about. It's kind of creepy, but you know. John Cleese uh, and Graham Chapman in that movie are comedy gold. I think you'll really appreciate it. Okay, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Well, we got about seven minutes left here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast with David Overholt. You can check him out from Obro Studios over at Vader Reviews on YouTube. So much going on there, including their feature film, Fallen Jedi, which you can watch. It is amazing. It's got over 100,000 views. Let's get it a few more and pass it around to all your Star Wars friends, a great Star Wars fan film. But what I want to kind of finish up with in the last couple of minutes, David, is the current state. Well, we'll bring you back on for more topics. But the current state of Disney Star Wars, uh, we've talked about the sequel movies. You and I not really big fans. I, I've actually come full circle with Last Jedi, by the way. It is a great uh, and you gave me grief about this for a while, but you got me to think about it, which I love your channel for. It's a great sci fi movie. It is a horrible Star Wars movie. Yeah. And I think Disney that does that quite a bit. Yeah, uh, that, that is the hard thing about it is like they will put out stuff that like it looks good. It's well acted. It's very well produced, but it doesn't have the heart of what Star Wars used to be. Mm. And uh, it, it feels I mean, every everybody loves Star Wars for different reasons, but it feels like, unfortunately, a lot of people making the creative decisions. They like Star Wars because of cool spaceships, pew pew laser guns and lightsabers. But they didn't really love Star Wars for the deeper um, yeah. Like spiritual and political themes that George Lucas wove through his stories. That's right. So, so that's why sometimes it's like, well, this is weird. It seems like I should love this because it, it looks cool and uh, sounds good and the acting's good, but it just kind of feels empty. It's, I think it's because it's kind of written by committee a lot of times. Yeah. Because I mean, you had George Lucas, one guy writing it before, but now you have a story group that they're all trying to distill another guy's thing down into something and you know everyone puts their own creative spin on something and uh i think we're just seeing that like a lot of the people making story decisions they don't have the same story sensibilities that george lucas did unfortunately no it's very true i would say the one thing there are like i enjoy solo a star wars story i enjoy rogue one but i would say the single best project disney has put out star wars related has been the mandalorian But I will also say it like this. Season one was epic. Season two was epic. I just got done watching season three, as you did, David. And it seems like they missed the mark. There there were episodes I enjoyed. I enjoyed watching Pedro Pascal. But it wasn't the same as the first two seasons. And now I'm reading rumors that there might not even be Pedro Pascal in season four, in which, if that's the case, I don't care about a season four. Yeah, uh, season three, it felt incredibly aimless. I I think what happened is John Favreau seemed like he had a story of handing Grogu over to Luke. That was the story he wanted to tell. But then Disney was like, hey, wait a minute. That little green guy makes us a lot of money. Get him back in there. Merchandise. Yeah, merchandising. So it's like, so then they're like, oh, crap. Okay, well, we got to put him back in. So um, uh, let's figure something out like in a week or so, you know, cause like it really felt like there was no point to the season. Yeah. I um, agree. And, and a lot of, I think the other thing was too, they, they canceled the Rangers of the new Republic show. And then they tried to fold that into Mando season three. 
So the show didn't have its own identity anymore. It wasn't about Grogu and Din. It was about Grogu, Din, the New Republic. Uh, then they threw Bo-Katan into it and like, hey, let's have it be her show for a while. And, you know, then Moff Gideon showed up to twirl his mustache and have clones that are dead in five seconds. And then it was just like, okay, now it's done. You know, it's like yeah. Yeah. there wasn't a huge overarching plan for this yeah. season, I don't no and i agree and it's sad and the the, the epi- there were episodes that i thought hit it out of the park but it wasn't at the end of the day looking back at it i don't think it was consistent enough to be can be considered a good season now we got three minutes left so we're going to table the rest for next discussion with david overholt of vader reviews director over there and you can check it out at vader reviews on youtube david you got about 90 seconds go ahead and Tell us where people can find your work at Vader Reviews and uh, what you're excited about in the coming months, which I know some of it we've already touched on. Yeah, you can find us at Vader Reviews on uh, YouTube. We also got a Facebook page. We also got a Twitter. Um, We post regularly on Twitter, mostly on Twitter. Um, But then we post links to our videos every weekend on Facebook, because sometimes YouTube isn't great at notifying people that we've uploaded. But yeah, those are the places you can find us, standard social media stuff. And as far as what I'm excited about, um, Rebel Moon is probably the biggest movie I'm looking forward to. I can't believe Disney didn't take Zack Snyder up on having that be a Star Wars film. Amen. Um, it's It looks epic, and it looks like the kind of sci-fi that I really enjoy, where it's a cool blend of fantasy and sci-fi at the same time. So I'm I'm... That's like my most anticipated movie of the year, even over Dune. So, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. And I think uh, I know you're a, a Bond fan as well. And we'll talk about there's rumors. Who's the next James Bond going to be? Is Christopher Nolan actually directing one of the movies? I found news on that today. So we'll be talking about those things next time we have you on. And I can't wait because I could pick your cinematic brain for hours. It's always so great to talk to you, David. Good to talk to you, too, my friend. Noah here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. Again, at Vader Reviews on YouTube. Check them out.